corners there yeah i'm really not as good as i could be there you know on my job yeah i don't really yeah <laughs> no i come in late night sign in like i was a little early you know like we all do that stuff and that's what it means but as we relate it to one another we don't see it as bad as it is but as we relate it to a perfect good and holy god then all of a sudden we realize oh man we're jacked up right now You've probably done little things in your life you're not proud of, but you wouldn't label them as big sins. You might even think of yourself as a pretty decent person in comparison to others. What happens, though, when you compare all your actions to your perfect and holy creator? Pastor Daniel's message today will challenge you to look at sin through God's eyes, not yours. He'll remind you why grace is such a wonderful gift. Now, here's Pastor Daniel as he continues his message called, It's That Bad, in Romans chapter 3. Very easily my kids could at some point be like, it's, what advantage was it to have two Christian parents, right? But the thing is, is that if you're willing to look at it, all of us received a lot of benefit from the situation we have, even the worst situations. Because you learn certain things. Like I look at now, my mother's birthday would have been this past week. My mother would have turned 71 years old. And my mother passed away when I was 49, right? When she was 49, so I was 21, right? Sorry, I got that backwards. I'm not 49 yet, at least not the last time I checked. And I could very easily say, you know, so what good is this? You know, like my mom's been gone half my life. But when I look back on it, some of the things that I learned through Losing my mom was a great advantage. I don't have the tendency to think that everyone's going to have forever. So I want to make sure I maximize the time I have. See, it's important that we learn how to see the advantage of what we have. But here's the thing. Whatever advantage you got from the way you were raised, it's not salvific either. See, for my kids, they're growing up understanding the scriptures. Knowing what it's like to see two people do their best to walk with Jesus. But that doesn't mean that they're going to be followers of Jesus. They have to choose it for themselves. See, the thing is, is you could be here at Crossroads, and being here at Crossroads doesn't make you a Christian. Just because you attend a Bible-teaching church doesn't make you born again. And so you have to make sure that you embrace the advantage of what you learn, however you do that. But there's only one way to be saved, and that's through Jesus. See, and that's what he's saying here. He's saying, listen, he's like, it's much benefit here, but not salvific. You got the word of God. That's a good thing. But you're not living it out, and that's your problem. So he starts with that first question. Then he moves into the next question, verse 3. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, and let every man a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words, and you may overcome when you are judged. See, the next question is, he's like, well, for some Jewish people who don't believe, if they are not believing, then does that make God's faithfulness without effect? He's saying, if the Jewish people who had the word of God didn't believe, then is God really faithful? 
And then notice what he says. He says, certainly not. Of course God is still faithful. Indeed, let God be true and every person a liar. He's saying, listen, that no matter what people do who have the advantage of receiving the word of God, God is still faithful. And even if everybody else is wrong, God is still true. And so it's a great reminder because... Paul takes Romans 9 and 10 and 11 to discuss, well, what about the Jewish people who were given the covenants and given the law who don't believe? And so Paul will use three chapters to unpack when people are unfaithful. What does that mean about God's faithfulness? Now, I know you all can't wait to get to Romans 9, 10, and 11. We'll get there in about 47 years. But you can read ahead if you want to. It's right there in your Bibles between Romans 8 and Romans 12. You can find those three chapters. And then, of course, he quotes... Psalm 51, verse 4. Let God be true and every man a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. He's saying, listen, no matter if everyone else is lying, if everyone else is unfaithful, God is still true. Now, I love it to say it this way, that God is good even when no one else is. And our hope, your hope, and my hope in this generation is not that everyone else is fine, but we know the one person who is fine, the one person who is true. Everyone else may be a liar. Everyone else may be a swindler and a cheat, but we know one person who isn't, and that's the good God that we, who created us and who sustains us and who we follow after every single day. For too many of us, we're so busy looking at people and people are shady that we're getting shady, and that's not the way it's supposed to work. You look at a good God who is light with no shadow of turning, and you be the one person who isn't shady in a world that's totally shaded over because we let God be true and we let every man be a liar and then of course the 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 third question verse 5 but if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God what shall we say is God unjust who inflicts wrath certainly not For then how will God judge the world? For if the truth of God has increased through my lie to his glory, why am I still judged as a sinner? Now, this is an interesting one. If you've ever shared your faith with someone who doesn't believe, you'll hear this. Like, well, okay, so if the good news is that I'm a sinner and my sinner shows God's righteousness by sending Jesus, then actually I'm important to God as a sinner. So it's like, why is God so hard on me? Because he actually needs me to be unrighteous so we can see how glorious he is. You don't ever think about it that way, but Paul's bringing this up. He's like, someone could say, hey, listen, if God is glorified because I'm unrighteous, then why is God so mean? I mean, I'm a player in this. Like, so why is God, why is he so rough on me? So really they're starting to question God's justice or God's justness because really what's going on is they're saying God should give me a free pass because he actually needs me to be unrighteous so he can show how righteous he is. Right, And it's kind of an interesting argument that someone says, but he says, of course not. And then he goes on and it says this in verse 8, and why not say, let us do evil that good may come, as we are slanderously reported as some affirm that we say their condemnation is just. Now this is important, because he's breaking open a position. Now I'm going to give you a big word here, and I want you to write it down, because you can tweet it out and impress your friends. The word is antinomianism. Go ahead, write it down. Sound it out. You'll get it wrong anyway. (laughs) Antinomianism. Anti means against. Namos in the Greek means law. And of course, ism is an ism. Right? So the position is that because I am saved by God's grace, I can do whatever I want. And when I do whatever I want, my unrighteousness is now declared righteous. And so I can do whatever I want because I'm saved by grace. Now, here's the thing. Some of you, that's how you're living right now. 
You say, I believe in Jesus, but you don't actually live like you believe in Jesus. You figure, I can do whatever I want because I'm saved and God forgives me. And I'm here to tell you, if that's what you believe, you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. Because it means you don't even understand the grace of God. Because nobody who believes and loves Jesus is content to live like Jesus isn't real. And so we live in a day and age, Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls it cheap grace. It's the idea that I can live however I want to live. And because I'm a Christian, it doesn't matter because I'm forgiven anyway. And I'm here to tell you, if that's your position, you're not a Christian. Because when you realize the weightiness of the cross, it has to change your life. See, we are not saved by what we do. But once we're saved, our faith in Jesus changes the way that we live. Now, I'm not saying that any of us are justified by our changed life. But if the fact that you believe in Jesus doesn't cause you to pause for a second and say, I probably shouldn't live like that. Then you have to ask yourself, are you really following Jesus? Because the apostles taught this grace. And then people said, oh, man, these guys think you can live however you want. And because of God's grace, you're forgiven. And guess what? Antinomianism is alive and well in the church today. I'm a Christian. What's the matter? I'll be forgiven at the end of the day. Listen, if that's the way you're rolling, you have to even ask yourself, are you a follower of Jesus? Because how can you do that? How can you say, God loved me and died for me and I'm just going to live however I want so that God's grace would abound? No, 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 no. Es no posible. Es no bueno. So we have to make sure that we remember that God in his judgment... God is true. And because God is true, God is just. And for the Jewish person, they realize, listen, no matter what I do, I don't get there. Now, what Paul does next is really interesting. If you notice in your Bible from verses 9 to 18, in verse 9, we get a couple sentences. And then from verses 10 to 18, in your Bible, notice those verses are indented, or some of yours, your Bibles are in italics as well. What that means is that these are all quotations from the Old Testament. So now what this is called is Paul uses a rabbinical technique that's called pearl stringing. You think about a pearl string, right? There's a string, and you put a numerous pearls on it. And what the rabbis would do is they would take an idea, and they would line up all the scriptures that say something very, very similar. And it's like a string of pearls. It doesn't have one pearl, it has multiple pearls on it. And in the same way, Paul is making a pearl string. But here's what I want to tell you, that I'm calling this a pearl string of nasty. It is a pearl string of nasty. Because what the Apostle Paul does is he wants to make the case that everybody needs Jesus. And in order to do it, he strings together a bunch of scriptures that really say that people, you and I, are nasty. But here's the thing. I want to unpack this for you. And I want you to show you why this is so important. Because in order to get the prescription right, you have to get the diagnosis right. And this reality that you and I are nasty in our own ways is very important to the good news of Jesus. And the thing is, it's not just the Bible being negative. The Bible is realistic. The Bible's realistic. The Bible's not ashamed to say, listen, you don't get everything right. And so in order for us to really see this, we just have to be okay with the fact that we are not perfect. And everybody knows this, but nobody actually likes to say it. But what I love so much is the apostle, Paul doesn't ask for permission. He's like, look, I'm just going to show you that you're all nasty. 
So look at what he says. First Paul speaks, and then I'll give you all the scriptures where you can find them so you can track them down later. It says this, verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. Now you see what he says there. He's saying, look, our position, the apostolic position, the biblical position, is that the Jewish people and then the Greeks who were everybody else... We charge that all of them are under sin. So the position is, is that universally people are messed up. That's what it's a position. We're all under sin. Sin is missing the mark. Anything that we do that misses the mark means that we are under sin. So he makes that position and then he begins to pearl string scriptures. Look at what he says first. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is None who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Now, that is a quotation from Psalm 14, verses 1 to 3. Psalm 14, verses 1 to 3. Notice what he says. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is not one person who in every single facet and area of their life, not only in action but in motivation, does all that pertains to right. Not one. And not only is there not one righteous, no, not one, there is none who understands. Why? Because you're unrighteous, your understanding is darkened. And not only that, there is none who seeks after God. Now, if you're here today, and you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, your ability to seek after God is a gift from God. Because there's none righteous, no, not one, nobody seeks after God on their own. Now, here's the thing. I want to talk for a second to those of you who are here today who are here, but you're not followers of Jesus. Now, I meet you guys every single week, and I'm so grateful because people come and say, hey, you know, uh, Daniel, you know, I'm here, but I'm not really a Christian, but I kind of look forward to coming to Crossroads. Now, just so you know, for those of you who are in that position, listen, that's proof that God's doing a work in your life. I mean, think about how crazy that is. You like to go to church. I mean, just think about that for one second. Like, you like being around people who are reading a 2,000-year-old book, and you're like, I look for... I remember when I first started walking, before I started put my faith in trust, I'd go to church, and the pastor would open up the Bible, and he starts speaking. And I remember just being like, this is so cool. And then my next thought was, what is wrong with me? Why would I think this is cool? I mean, it was like the least cool thing I could think of as a 21-year-old former Daniel Fusco was, was that church was cool. But it's happening for many of you right now. It's like you're not a follower of Jesus, and maybe your spouse is dragging you, or maybe like your parents are dragging you, and you're, you're still put up to fight, but you're kind of looking forward to it. I mean, think about only God can make you want to hear the Bible from someone who looks like me and talks like me anyway. I mean, it's like, it's just proof that God's doing a work in your life. It's like, because outside of God, nobody's seeking after him. We're content not to follow him. We're content to be not understanding of these things. And because no one seeks after God, we've all turned aside and our lives have become unprofitable. It doesn't mean our lives are as bad as they could be. They're just not profitable in all the things of eternity and all the things of God's kingdom. And it says, and then there's none who does good, no, not one. That's just the first pearl in the string. Remember I told you, the pearl string and nasty. Because it begins with our views of God and the way that we live. But then, of course... It moves to the way that we speak. Look what it says in verse 13. It says, their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. 
the poison of asps is under their lips. Now this is a quotation from Psalm 5.9 and also Psalm 140 verse 3. So right there in verse 13, you have these two quotations. Now notice, their throat is an open tomb. Now an open tomb, a tomb contains what? Dead people. So the idea here is now it's looking at our speech. And really what it's saying is that because of our lack of understanding about God, because of our lack of righteousness, now our speech is now not the speech of life, but it's the speech of death. Now here's the thing. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, are you speaking life or are you speaking death to people? Because you know what I found? Jesus is the life. Jesus speaks the words of life. But the favorite thing that Satan does is try and get a believer who's been given and blessed with the words of life to get them to start speaking words of death. And most of the time it happens over things that seem important in the time, but they're not the most important thing. So I'm here to tell you, listen, are you speaking death to people? If you're a follower of Jesus, stop speaking death to people. If you have a Jesus is real sticker on your car and you're speaking death to people, you got to take that thing off. Help us. In Jesus' name. Because you know what it is? It's like over politics, over theology, over social concerns. People who have received the word, they're speaking words of death. And notice, this is the pearl string and nasty, which although we were that way, we've been saved from this. So we shouldn't be speaking death to people. Our tongue shouldn't be practicing deceit. Then he goes on, the poison of asps is under their lips. You know, it speaks about something that kills somebody. And not only that, then it says, whose mouth, verse 14, is full of cursing and bitterness. That's Psalm 10, verse 7. Now you got to ask yourself, you got a potty mouth? Stop it. God is the liquid draino to that stuff, man. It's the Clorox clean the bowl out stuff, you know? Don't be using cursing and speaking bitterness. Listen, you've been saved by Jesus. But our words matter. Words are creative. And not only that, then it goes on. Look what it says in verse 15. It says, their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. This is Isaiah chapter 59, verses 7 and 8. So then he says, not only is it their words, their feet are swift to shed. You get so nasty, you just love to go after things that are harmful to people. Destruction and misery are in their ways. Why? Because the way of peace they have not known. See, God is the God of all peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. But when you're walking in that fallenness, that nastiness, now all of a sudden the way of peace you don't know. And then it lands on verse 18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And that's a quote from Psalm 36, verse 1. Psalm 36, 1. Now, you see what it says here. See, this is the whole pearl string. The whole pearl, you put it all together. That's why I call it the pearl string of nasty. Now, I was thinking about all the different analogies I could use to really express this pearl string of nasty. And I'm going to spare you all of them. Because they're nasty. 
Like I came up with some really good ones. Okay, you guys all want one, don't you? You're just wondering. I'm going to give you the, the nicest one. So you think about a string of pearls. Like a woman would put on a string of pearls because it would be the perfect accent to a great ensemble or a dress, right? You don't wear pearls with your sweatpants when you wake up on Saturday morning, right? It's like I never met a woman who puts on pearls for that. But it's like you're going out. If you have a nice string of pearls, you're like, okay, that's going to look really nice there. So a pearl string and nasty. Now imagine if you took a necklace and you put a bunch of cuts of steak and you left it out for like two weeks and then you wore that out with your gown. That's a pearl string and nasty, you know, the maggots and stuff, you know what I'm saying? Smelly. Yeah, that was the nicest one I came up with. But really what this is saying is that for all of us, we have to be willing to own the last 10%. And the last 10% is that left up to our own devices, guess what? We're nasty. Now, some of you are going to say, well, hold on, Fusco. That's why I don't like the Bible. Because I actually believe that people are inherently good. They just go the wrong way. Listen, the Bible says that people were created inherently good, but the first people fell. And because of that, although we bear the image of God... We are all fatally flawed. Now, whether you believe that or not, in the end of the day, everyone has the same outcome. It's just how we explain that we got there. And the problem is, if people are inherently good, then everyone's really screwed up. Because no one is as good as they could be. That's what I always say. Because someone says, well, I'm not totally nasty. Maybe you're not. See, I always tell people that the reason the Bible, what the Bible calls sin is not that you are as nasty as you could be. The thing is that you're never as good as you should be. That's really where it lands. Is that in every area of your life, I've never met someone who's like, I am absolutely the best in all these spheres. We all have these areas where we're like, I actually cut corners there. Yeah, I'm really not as good as I could be there. You know, on my job, yeah, I don't really, yeah, <laughs> no. I come in late and I sign in like I was a little early. You know, like we all do that stuff. And that's what it means. But as we relate it to one another, we don't see it as bad as it is. But as we relate it to a perfect, good, and holy God, then all of a sudden we realize, oh man, we're jacked up right now. See, it's kind of like, for many of us, we have like the Adam and Eve situation. You know, like we have this propensity to want the things that we're not supposed to have. It's like for some reason, when it's, you're not supposed to have it, that's the only thing that you really want. Like we have this idea in some ways that like Adam and Eve, like they're in the garden, but there's only one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that tree is the only tree with fruit on it, and they're really just hungry, and they're like, I can't believe God would be so mean as to say I'm not allowed to eat that. But in reality, Adam and Eve... We're in paradise. Every single tree had fruit. It wasn't like that was the only tree. They were living in whole foods, but they had free access to all the food. They'd have to give them their whole paycheck to get some food. Right? You know how it is you go to Whole Foods, right? You can just hand over your credit card. Like, just take it, man. Max it out for some sprouts. Thank you very much. You know what I mean? But they're living in the garden of Eden, and there's food everywhere. They can eat whatever they want. They're in paradise. Jesus is real. Why is it the forbidden things make you want them the most? You may have a paradise all around you filled with everything you need, but you desire the sin you know is bad for you. Today, Pastor Daniel reminded you that though you're tempted, you must resist. Every human being is sinful by nature, but Jesus is offering you a way out. Choose today to 
follow his path instead, it's always the better choice. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will continue to share just how truly wonderful Jesus is. He gave up everything for you. He left the paradise of heaven to live among people and endured ridicule and rejection on your behalf. Jesus then took your sins and died a painful death just so you don't have to. He loves you deeply and wants to get to know you personally. What an incredible Savior you have. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time. As Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, Life Intention. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.